Whether you're dealing with does in heat and bucks in rut, the winter blues, the marathon of kidding season in the spring, or show season in the summer, Nate Funk and John Kane of Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, are with you every step of the way, bringing you interviews from various breeders, judges, and others from all over the country. We're always covering the latest ad good news and covering topics to help make us all better dairy goat breeders. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and baby New Year himself, Nate Funk. How's it going, brother? Oh, not bad, not bad. How about you? Oh, I'm running on fumes. It's a, it's a, my busy season at work, but besides that, we're doing pretty good. Oh, how about you? Uh, doing well. We, we cleaned another uh, stall today um and did a little bit of work in the barn and getting Sorry. ready for kidding season to move up here um sweet no going well going well it's uh nice yeah we had a we had a quiet week this week you know just like like i've said in the last couple of weeks it's just kind of survival mode right now um but we are well, in a new year so happy 2022 it is. It was a quiet week, but at the same time, I think for both of us, it was actually busier than we both normally would have. Such that original plans didn't pan out. Um, I know we we talked about trying to get past guests on. Yeah, that because of what I had to do during the week and what you had to do during the week and today. Um, that just yeah yeah you know it's you gotta roll with it kind of like on the farm gotta hey we're we're on nobody's schedule but our own uh but exactly. i am kind of sad at the i'm sad at the fact that i just said happy new year's and you, and you didn't even say happy new year back to me so it's kind of sad, well, sad. You know, it, for me it's it's one of these things of it it's another year um oh. so yeah everybody I'm, I'm just know it's a pessimist but a uh, happy new year to you uh, it is another year. Oh, thanks, man. That wasn't even coursed. You just... I know, your, I know, your, I know. Your own regard. Um, oh, but it's one of these things of, you know, um, I, I guess my thing is I'll go to work tomorrow. I'll still do what I'm doing. And uh, uh, I will have hopes for the new year to be better than the last one. Um. But I'm also uh, realizing that some of that's got to rest on me. So, well, you know, I was gonna ask you if what your resolutions were for this year, but apparently your resolutions to be just a grump. Grump. <laughs> no, I like... no for, for for me for this year, if anything, and it's something I realized uh, a week or two ago is, um. There are things that I personally have let slip that I've not uh, attended to in the way in which they should be attended to um, on the farm, in the house, even on the show some, um, and that I've got to pick up some slack and uh, take care of. And, you know, so it's kind of a, you know, you get things done sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good resolution. 
You sound so enthused about it, but it's a good uh, no, resolution. It's, it's just it's more just being you know a little bit of you know looking into your your own self and and seeing the fault and you know you know we we tackled the whole weight loss thing. We're tackling that as a group. You know. Yep, that's still going on. And you and yeah. I, you know, so it's not like oh, I'm going to lose some weight. Well, we already kind of covered that this fall. Um, you know, <laughs> um, I want to eat healthier. Well, that's kind of tied to the losing the weight. Um, and I guess hey, my thing is is being a better person. That's tied to taking care of things that people are really want you to do. So. Um, yeah, hey, that's a good resolution, dude. I'm not knocking that. That's that's a positive thing to be doing. So, congratulations yeah. on that. Uh, we or I, I should say, uh, f- as far as my herd goes, my resolution is to uh, have a successful year showing, and hopefully make the cut at nationals, and uh, really not not having too many expectations when it comes to nationals. It's our first one. So I, I'm making a resolution to, to not be so hard on myself. Cause I can be pretty dang hard on myself. Um, it is the big dance. It is the big dance. And I, I hopefully we're not, you know, walking in there with two left feet. Uh, <laughs> if you do make sure you have a little groove with it and you can uh, take things <laughs> yeah. in motion and you know, Right. Uh, and then, yeah, we, I've, we still have that uh, better conditioning challenge where uh, you, myself, Kurt Schnipke's and, and others are uh, trying to uh, lose weight. Holidays was were pretty rough on me. I probably gained about eight to ten pounds, um, which isn't terrible considering the fact that I lost so much to begin with. I lost. I was down 30, so not the end of the world, but uh, Tierney and I are ready to start buckling back down starting tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Yeah, no, we, we, uh, same here, we're trying to keep, get ourselves back on on the path of weight loss, and not really just weight loss, but healthier eating, healthier lifestyle, walking, you know, getting exercise in on top of eating healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just, we're trying to get back to doing that because, you know, you know, the kids want to make Christmas cookies and you say, I'm not going to touch those. I'm not going to touch those. I'm not going to have only just one plate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, or, or, you know, someone, you're at a Christmas party and someone says, here, have a cinnamon roll. And you're like. Oh, well, well, I I did get a pocket dial from you a couple weeks ago, uh, where you were discussing with somebody some lunch plans, uh, that that included. So you got a, a pocket dial a few weeks ago about you know we were cleaning pens again. It's a, it's a continual process cleaning pens, and the kids are crying. Not really crying for food, but the the way. Uh, Teens and preteens and and such, you know, go. Oh, I'm hungry, and it's like, oh, why don't you just go get some McDonald's or Burger King, you know? 
and that'll keep them. I don't know if you heard that, hey. but that'll keep them quiet. I didn't and, hear that part, no. And uh, apparently, somewhere along the lines of moving wheelbarrows and loading and unloading wheelbarrows, I pocket dialed you. And so you heard parts of that conversation. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. It was, it was, I was, I was chuckling. Uh, I'm just glad that I haven't called, pocket then, dialed you. And then you <laughs> called me and you're like, Hey, what's this about Burger King? I'm like, <laughs> where's Burger King? And I think, and I'm like, Oh yeah, we we're talking about getting food for the kids. So <laughs> you're like, how'd you know? <laughs> so, but um, no, so we're, we're still doing that. I mean, so that's why, you know, for me, but, no, we've got a lot of fun things, at least in the Northeast, happening this year. It's now 2022. Yes, it you know? is. Um, we've got National Show. Nationals. June, July. Um, we got convention coming up, Syracuse. Yep. Lots um, of local shows. It's going to be a good local time. Local shows. Hopefully, you know, everything's going to be good. Stop it! Don't even don't don't even finish that that thought. Stop it right now. Sir. Lots of cheese making. Shh. Soap okay. for those who do soap. It's gonna be okay. John's gonna get Sonnens. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> I think three breeds is enough. <laughs> so, uh. Nate, we were we had a member of our community reach out to us this week yes. after listening to our last episode, and they had uh, some information about uh, black oil so, sunflower seeds. So last episode, uh-huh. I made the mention that uh, black oil sunflower seeds are a good source of uh, calcium for your doughs, and you mix that right in your feed, and good source mm-hmm. of calcium. Well, it's member of our, our community reached out to us and uh, quite frankly, specifically said, um, I, I don't believe that's true. They said, I, in fact, they'd had to believe that it's not true, fully not true. And uh, um, just give me a second here. And of course I said, uh, I'll make sure I mention it to Nate because he said it and it's his fault. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, well, it, it was uh, Trisha up there in Maine. And, you know, boss is not a significant source of calcium, as it turns out. I did do a little bit of research on it. And um, it's sometimes used in, you know, ratio uh, in feeds to balance out uh phosphorus um but it's not a significant source of of calcium um hey man so if you're thinking you're going to use calcium black oil sunflower seed to balance your calcium and your dough diet um find something else right um that's my retraction because uh it while it may have some calcium now you know, we're all a little bit different physiologically, and you can go online, and you can find in human diets, people will say, oh, you can use some sunflower for some calcium. Um, it's not the cal- it's not the available calcium that a, a milking dough would need. It's like 
0.2% of what she would require. It's 2% of your daily allowance, yours, mine, John's, you know, the, anybody else's. It's still only 2% of your daily allowance of calcium. Um, so it is a, a, a source of calcium, but it's very insignificant. Um, right. Uh, and I think if somebody's looking to add calcium to their goat's diets, uh, there's always alfalfa. So actually, I got looking at what we'd done in actual when we'd gone through and formulated our feeds. One of the things we had done is we had added alfalfa pellets um, as a source of calcium. Uh, so and you know there's there's other things which have uh, been mentioned before and and may have even um, you, know, you could get other mineral supplements to bring in some calcium as well. <laughs> loose minerals well i think that that information or retraction um just kind of goes to prove that as nate and i say all the time we're not professionals as far as we're not vets and we're not dairy goat nutritionists or anything we don't have a phd like some people claim to have in that um that's inside joke but uh maybe we should find a nutritionist to have on we the show should. so we actually know of a couple yeah, we'll we'll. They're actually up you... from the upper Midwest, but we'll have to talk to them. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get back to you guys on having a guest in that field. Uh, shall we move on to some Adga news, Nate? Well, do we have a, a feedback, or is that kind of related to our topic? It's kind of, it's kind of it's kind of with the topic. Ah, uh, okay. Well, we'll move right. on. <laughs> Adga All right. news. All right. Well, I had stated a question on district three page uh today and asked hey when are the committee lists coming out because they should have been out soon um and committee lists should be out this week according to uh one of our directors i believe is who answered me but uh yeah so look Ours forward to that district three director district three. uh it wasn't a district three director but it was a director okay a director. um yeah I believe it was Dr. Rowe. Yep. So, Rowe. yep. Uh, also, starting today, because this comes out on Monday. Yes. Uh, phones in the quote unquote new call center, uh, new and improved, will be live from 8 30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. So, you sh- everybody should be able to get into the f- phone lines and hopefully not have to wait forever. Uh, so that'll be exciting. So if you're on the West Coast, be sure to get your calls in before one o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, registration prices are going up today, Monday, whatever you want to. Yeah. 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 So way back in 2020, it's not, it feels like forever ago. You know, it was voted to increase uh, registrations by a dollar. So uh, 10.50 for mail-in registrations for does and. 850 for online registration for does, etc. You know, bucks are different price there, but uh, yeah, so everything's gonna be increased by a dollar. Uh, and that was passed uh, to kind of help support the extra costs of having this new ED and uh, this new model that we have. So, uh, yeah, everything's up a dollar. They withheld it last year because of all the changes with NG. So uh, we knew we knew it was coming. This isn't a shock yep. to anybody. Yeah, no, it, it it was it's 
In fact, a few people have commented on it on uh, the Facebooks. So, um, yeah. You know, it, it's coming. It's out. Fun things. You know, we're not all, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it helps offset some costs. Um, also, there will be a special meeting taking place one thirty. That's January 30th. Uh, to fill the empty EC seat. Uh, the position will be a m- member at large, as obviously the past president resigned. So, yes. Uh, now, I, am I correct that I, I saw somewhere that this will be live streamed so you can watch it? I did see that. I saw that it will be available yeah. to members. So, once we get more information, I'll share that on the ringside facebook page and instagram page and get that information to out to anybody that's interested in watching um so yeah i think that really wraps up the ad good news right well with that um special meeting realize there's no other topics with that it's right yeah for this, this. so it's just... not like it's a it's gonna be an all-day affair and and you're gonna get to see you know a lot of questions answered and people pr- brought out under the carpet for what they've done or not done. And it, it's merely a, to elect this one position onto the EC. Um, so, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just not trying to make sure people realize. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It's not a whole be... board of directors meeting. It's... Exactly. It's just um, going to be that one vote for a new EC member, member at large. Yes. All right. Well, you asked about the feedback, Nate, yeah. and we're going to rip into one and pour out some grain. Uh, I've gotten quite a few messages on in, actually our Instagram page. I, and I get quite a few for the feedbacks on Instagram and anybody on Facebook. If you want to message us on there, uh, submitting feedback questions, oh, we're always open to taking new questions. Um, but I've got I probably had about 12 to. 15 questions regarding this and uh that is really how to get competitive in the ring is what it summarizes to and not so many words from what others have asked but uh, they're asking how to take your program to the next level how to win those ribbons uh now there isn't a cut and paste method to see success in the ring or in the herd in your herd regardless if you show or not uh but we have a few pointers that could help now, I will say, and I'm going to speak for myself here, I am by no means a nationally known breeder, right? Uh, fairly young program. We're going to be going into our fifth kidding season uh, or six. I got to, you know, whatever. Uh, but we're we're just starting to see success. This year was really, this last year um, was really our pinnacle year where we uh, kind of saw the fruits of our labor. So I just want to, you know, there's a lot of breeders that have have way more success than I, uh, so I'm not stating that I am a professional at this topic, but uh, I have seen success fairly quickly. Um, so I think we have, I at least have uh, some information that can help, uh, you know, give to other people. I might be able to help a little bit too. <laughs> well, I didn't want to speak for you, you know. Uh, <laughs> You've been breeding a long time and you guys 
your program is starting to get just as competitive, if not more competitive than mine. Uh, so uh, I feel like we're able to speak on this at least. I, I think we can at least give, um, yeah, if nothing else, uh, I'd say a beginner's perspective. Because really we've got two different, two similar but different ways of starting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's, well, I mean, we can, let, let's move on through the, yeah, the sure. point because really there, there's different ways and different perspectives on it. And again, there's no cookie cutter. So like you'll, you'll hear things how you did it, John. Right. And how your stance on it. And then you've got how I did it. And I know that there's other ways other people have done it. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's so many different ways to do it. Um, so, you know, let's dive into it. Sure. Let's rip it open and pour some out. Uh, first point I want to make for, it, you know, how to get uh, competitive and see a difference in your herd quick. Um, I would say if you already have goats and you want to get better, uh, maybe it's time to look at your herd and make a decision. Are you going to work with what you have in your barn or are you going to cut ties and start over? And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, sell everything and start over, but uh, maybe drastically cut down and keep the best and, and start from there. What do you think, Nate? Um, I know quite a few herds that that's how they do it. What they do, you know, with this, the starting point is, you know, they say, well, what do I got? You know, okay, I've got four does. Um, we stand middle to the end of the line. You know, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to breed and try to get lots of numbers and see what I can what I produce and then I'm going to call back and that goes into later discussions, but, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, maybe breed with everything I've got and see if I can make an improvement on what I've got. Mm -hmm. Um, there's others who say, well, I don't like what I've got. I like what is over there. Maybe I'll go and see if I can get a doe kid from over there to start another bloodline and maybe be a foundation doe um, or right. get some does over there. And um, I did, I did something similar with that last point eight, where uh, I wanted to add another line because I have my, my herd is pretty tight knit where I have a lot of gem and then a lot of uh, my window Carla that passed. And then I was like, well, I need a little bit of diversity here. What do I like? And I liked Mary Mac. Yep. my purchase from you and uh she kind of i think she's going to really melt meld well with my herd um and you know she'll have that she has that quality that's already in my herd if not better uh so it'll it'll be a nice little um melting pot now see what we we did now we both jen and i we had experience from many years back um, but we've gotten out of goats and we're getting back into goats when we started the difference was we started with nothing mm -hmm. literally we had a barn 
that's about yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, not a good one at that, but we, we had a barn. And we, we knew what type of things we liked to see. And we'd saved up quite a bit of money. And um, so we started looking for the does that were available that were the type that we liked to see. Um, now, truth be told, probably about a half or a third of those have since moved on, and same with their bloodlines, um, their, you know, their daughters and such, because they turned out not to be ones that we would like to work with. Right. Um, but we've, we have since found bloodlines and types that we do like, and that we do want to work with. Um, and with that, you know, we, we look to bringing in bucks to manipulate, not manipulate, but to add in uh, diversity into those bloodlines. Um, and that's where you start working with what you have. Um, and that's where we're at now. Like we're just now beginning to work with what we have. Um, we've made a couple, you know, acquisitions that some were planned and some weren't. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where a herd kind of eve, eve and flows. Right. Um, and, and speaking yeah. of those acquisitions, uh, when you're looking to acquire new animals, um, just because you buy a big name genetics-wise uh, for your herd, it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to win or that those genetics will work well with yours. Uh, it's very important to remember that because I feel like there's people out there that got stuck on names and they don't really delve too deep into the pedigree or that they're not well-versed enough in what they have to know that these genetics don't play well with these other genetics. Um, so I will say don't get lost in, in the big names, right? There's, there's, a lot of herds that do really well that uh, not everybody knows. So, uh, so why go yeah. ahead. No, no, no. Finish. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, while I am also guilty of looking at big names and I have some pretty big names in my herd. Um, I also have some names where uh, shoot there. I have a doe in my barn that her herd name starts with the right. So uh, don't get, don't get lost at the, uh, with those names. Go ahead. I have a doe with a first name of the as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and again, you know, sometimes it's those the does or the bucks that uh, really surprise you. Um, no, I've, I've shown for years and yeah, I've seen people where they, they've got, you know, uh, you know, Nate farms, so-and-so, so-and-such. And Ooh, I just bought, Nate Farms buck or Nate Farms doe and I'm going to start kicking butt and, and because it's a Nate Farms doe but it may not be of the caliper that you're thinking or it may not have the improvement in the area that you think you're going to be improving. Right. Um I've seen where people are, will say, hey, I'll, I, I bought a kid from this herd that just had a national champion. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's nice, but is it out of that doe? 
was it out of that bloodline or even why did you buy that why that animal right why should be a reason behind every purchase behind that animal because sometimes the kid out of a national champion isn't what you really want yeah sometimes it is if that if you're looking for for a specific trait exactly Um, you know as one who has purchased you know big name animal you know on you know spotlight sale yeah we bought him uh he's a big name animal we had specific traits that we wanted from him you know yeah that he we wanted him to pass down and he's i believe he's doing it okay yeah um so sometimes yeah you do go to those big names and you do get what you're hoping for but you got to do your homework first and not just buy the big name to have the big name for the sake of saying, hey, I've got a big name animal here. <laughs> um, yeah. Home of the big name animal. Yes. Home of big name animal. I know a lot of websites like that. Um, you know, it's I better uh, go check mine. <laughs> but but it it is um you know you can you can buy animals from big name herds and it doesn't mean they're going to just automatically win at the same time though you can buy beautiful animals from some real really big name herds that are going to have such a profound impact on your herd if you do your homework and you you research what you're looking for and you ask yep. the right questions and you don't let yourself be confined to the glitzy show um, unless that's exactly what you want and what you need. Um, you know, you can, you can get some good genetics. And actually some of these herds, you'd be surprised. Some of them don't really charge that much for really good animals. <laughs> for shizzle. Yeah. For um, Yeah, I mean, so sometimes you can get some good genetics for the same price as you can some not as good genetics. Um, yeah. I'm going to add something in here. It's not on a on show notes, though. Go ahead. Um, and it's, you can buy that really good genetics. You can pay that money for those good genetics, that really big name animal. It still doesn't mean you're going to win. <laughs> yes because yes. there's such a variety of factors and to me one of the biggest ones is nurturing how you raise that animal the management that animal receives is such yeah. a big key to Man- its success i agree management is also going to play a major role uh you have to feed them right uh, have everything to care for them on hand, you know, medications wise or supplements or whatever. Um, always be prepared and and you, you don't want to fall behind with these animals. And management is the key to having a standout herd. Uh, it helps them blend smoothly together, keeps their body capacity where it needs to be, uh, keeps them in show rig or even just healthy goat rig. Uh, I could call out some people or farms. I will never do that, but uh, where where they complain about where they place at certain shows and 
hey, maybe it's time that you really look at those animals and and maybe or have a friend that's honest look at your animals and, and tell you where they're lacking. And uh, management is a huge factor. You could have the best, 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 best pedigrees on those animals. But if they aren't fed right, if they aren't managed correctly, they're going to fall apart and they're going to look terrible. And tied to that, I'm going to say, when you buy that that new animal, that really great genetics that you're bringing into your herd, mm-hmm. ask the breeder how they feed, what they feed, how they manage, when do they do vaccines or not vaccines, how do they treat, get that animal, those animals to look as good as they do? Because the animal you're buying is go, will have been being raised with that management. Right. And for it to look as good as it does now when you're buying it, um, it needs similar management. I agree. I will say that it's not always possible to replicate uh, someone's management, especially uh, us East Coasters. We don't have the crazy awesome alfalfa that those that West Coasters oh, have. Well, yeah, there, um, there are limitations, of course. There, there are. But if you can get it as close as possible, and and honestly, your your feeding regiment shouldn't shouldn't be too far off of those people you're buying from. Uh, then the animal should thrive pretty well. Yes. Um, now, now a, a buck, thinking yeah. of these good animals, the buck is half your herd. Yeah. Uh, the buck is half your herd. If you're going to purchase a buck, I would say don't skimp and also really make sure that he's worthy of being a buck. Um, I've seen from many breeders and maybe even myself where uh, they've sold bucks with names behind them that probably d- didn't look the part. And obviously there are bucks that are the exception of the rule uh, where they're uh, maybe not the prettiest or showy of bucks, but they throw pretty daughters. Um, there, there's a few bucks that come to mind for that, but honestly you need to make sure you know what's behind him Otherwise, uh, confirmation wise, you know, like Nate said, you should be choosing an animal because you need to fix a certain area in your herd and they should be helping that. Uh, So make sure you know what's behind that buck to say, oh, yeah, he's got amazing front ends behind him or really high, wide arched udders. That's what I need in my herd and that's what I'm going to get. But don't skimp out on bucks. Don't get a buck because you you want a buck, right? Uh, make sure make sure you're getting something that's going to to help your program. Yeah, I mean, with that, yeah, it's yeah helping the program because sometimes yes, that high end buck is what you what you need. You know, he's going to help with your you know teat placement or with your front end assembly or your length of body. Um, But sometimes it's not that high-end, well-known buck that's going to have the answer for what you're looking for. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's, 
what you've got to do is you've got to find what you're you're trying to fix and find the buck who's going to do it or the the bloodline that's going to do it I, um, I i agree i and it might not even be a buck anybody's ever heard of or no. a doe a doe that you're going to get the buck kid from that anybody's ever heard of. well funny you say that nate really funny you say that uh this is probably the biggest mistake i've made on my farm is a couple years ago i purchased a buck kid because he was pretty close to uh one of my best does uh genetically um far enough away where it wasn't like heavy line breeding or anything uh but he was a very pretty buck kid his damn was a very pretty doe had a nice decent udder on her but uh really had length to her and and really smoothly blended which i needed and this buck kid was very smoothly blended and just a really hot looking kid so i made a trade for that buck kid out of nowhere went with my <laughs> went with went with I, my gut i i re, if i recall this was one of these things of you went you took a doe kid to go get this budded mhm and instead yep. of the doe kid you came back with the buck kid well they <laughs> my <laughs> Yes. Am I right? You are you are correct. My friend Carmen, <laughs> uh, her two sons had a very heavy buck kid year where one of them didn't even have a doe kid born and, and they bred probably six does. So um, he didn't have a doe kid to show at fair. And I was like, well, you know, this doe kid is out of my doe gem uh, that you sold to me. Uh, so if you would like another daughter in your herd, uh, I will trade you for that buck. And it you know she, she asked her son and her son was like yes i need a, i need a doe kid so uh, yes please so we did that trade and he created one of the prettiest does in my barn right now and his name started with the as well uh the tormund's giant bane or khalifa's tormund's giant bane and he was a very pretty buck he grew up he was he matured quick, uh, which I also kind of wanted because my lines are very slow growing. Um, but he matured quick. He threw a daughter that was my best first freshener last year. Um, and, you know, I made the mistake of getting caught in the pedigree aspect. And although he threw a nice daughter with Jem, his, he threw white with one breeding. And I wasn't really high on his other kids, right? I kept, I I kept one kid and weathered all of his sons, and sold his daughter, his other daughter, unregistered. Um, it was just, <laughs> I was like, all right, this, 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 my patience. I'm not going to be patient with this because one out of like six kids was good, right? So I sold him, um, and he's doing well with the other herd. But the biggest regret with that is I didn't have him collected. And yeah, I also probably should have given him another season. Yeah, I, I have a, you know, for me, I, I regret. We have a buck who we regretted not getting collected to. And we made miss. We went to go find him and we found where he was and we asked about collecting him. And they said, oh. He hung himself last week. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I hear you on, on that. You know, 
but on some regrets. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be regrets in your program, right? Not everybody's perfect. There's going to be that one that got away. There's going to be that one that died too soon. Um, but you want to have those animals in your herd instead of having goats that might not be able to perform and make you wish that you still had them, right? You, you, right. And but your buck, the bucks you bring in should be bucks. I I believe that should answer a question or solve a problem in your herd. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, memories or front ends, you know, Corman gave you length of body and in the front end as well as capacity in the memory. Um, yep. You know, he, he again, he was not a buck anyone, most people don't even know of him. I don't, you know, we know somebody who does. Right. Um, and she's loving on him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, that buck is half your herd. Sometimes, literally, after about two seasons, you look at your herd and like, well, all of those does are his daughter, and all those does are his granddaughters. Uh, so it can literally end up being half your herd. Uh, yeah. So, yep. yeah, don't skimp. Actually, don't skimp on the buck. I will say it this way. Don't skimp on the buck, but get what you need. Okay, or what's going to make goats that you like looking at? I agree. I will say that I spent a decent amount of money for the two bucks that I currently have. And I would have done it. I would do it again right now as one's two and one's a yearling. Um, I would do it again in a heartbeat because I believe wholeheartedly that those two bucks have propelled us to where my wife and I want our herd to be right now. Right. And they, they've surprised us because we've seen a lot of improvements in a very short amount of time. And that's because we did our research on both uh, Orion and Vasquez. Uh, both kind of fell in their laps, but I did the research before I pulled the trigger, right? And well, right. And they're working out. I, I think, though, sometimes that's the other thing. Keep yourself ready because sometimes those good bucks do kind of fall in your lap. You know, for us, Lux fell in our lap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but you, your situation with your two bucks and our two bucks here, actually our three, um, the thing about them is if you're going to have more than one buck, um, my recommendations have bucks that complement each other. Yeah. Don't, don't get yourself to two other bucks. Unless right. one's going to do teat placement and rear udder and the other one's going to do four udder and uh, medial, you know, um, you do better to get yourself like a general appearance buck and a mammary buck and you can go back and forth between the two. Um, but even then, you got to realize you're going to need to call some of those kids or some of those milkers. Because otherwise, you can end up, you know, with 200 animals and you're going to need to make room. But not yeah. all of us have infinite room. Which goes to well, our next point, John. Segway. You're on, you're on fire tonight. 
So, Cullen so, may be hard, but you're the master of it, aren't you? Uh, I am the master at it because of my wife. <laughs> so, so it's it's no no doubt that hoarding your goats, especially after a kidding season, um, is pretty easy. Like all of a sudden, you look in your barn and you have fifteen or twenty more ex- goats than you did before kidding season started. Um, but especially if you, don't... if you have four H's. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but if you don't call and make tough cuts i strongly believe that you will not progress right sure you might have one or two or three uh in that horde of goats uh that are really really nice uh but in my opinion to get that consistency throughout your herd you really have to cut hard and in my in you know my situation is tyranny keeps me really honest she says okay we need to this is the x number we want to be at this year um next year is the x number that we want to be at so this year we were able to keep we kept uh three uh doe kids and we brought in two guernseys uh next year we're going to be cutting quite a few probably um i'd probably say we'll be cutting at least three or four and keeping uh two or three trying to keep numbers uh pretty even um and honestly in the moment when when tyranny said okay our numbers got to be this and if you want to buy mary mac you got to sell two does right that that was what she told me and i did it um, if you want to keep Minerva, you got to sell a doe. Uh, and in the moment, I was like, oh, this is terrible. I really like this doe, blah, blah, blah. She might be better next year uh, with another freshening, uh, you know, coming up with excuses for her. But then it, her her giving me that ultimatum really made me sit down and say, okay, who's good and who's not? And it made me cutthroat and, and probably to a fault, but we've – between investing in our bucks and calling really hard, it's I believe is the reason that we've gone from maybe having a reserve ribbon at a county show um, to every show that we go to, there's a possibility of walking away with a grand champion win. So in my perspective is calling is kind of um, the, the, there's a bunch of points here. Um, first off, when we're talking calling, we're not sa- saying that the, every doe that you're you're selling and taking off the farm is going to the auction for meat and being terminated. Mm-hmm. You're, you're meaning that you're removing it from your herd one way or another. Um, and I and I use it in same similar term on ours. Right. Um, sometimes we might even use the word "cut," um, you know, cut the herd. Um, in first off, in you do have to call or cut the herd in order to keep numbers down. And th- there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, when you 
have a large number of animals and a barn. Our barn happens to be a small one, uh, 30 by 50. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got a certain amount of space and kidding season comes and you've got these really nice kids, which if you, and you not you, John, but if you, the listener, or you, the breeder, have done your job and your homework and acquired the bucks that will make best improvements in your does, those kids should be better than their dams. Right. Theoretically. Okay. But still, in calling or cutting your herd back to a set number or or to set population level, um, you're taking a large population that is putting a stress or a, whether it's financial or, or, uh, physical stress on the food resources in your barn, the, uh, veterinary resources, the attention, the training, the, the work that you have to put into maintaining those animals in a healthy level such that they can be competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you cut or call back, you have fewer animals who are going to be competing for the grain in that feed pan. Fewer animals who are going to be competing for that alfalfa or that hay in the hay rack. Uh, fewer animals, quite even, you know, as I can tell you, having just cleaned pens today, fewer animals you have to clean out behind, but thereby a cleaner situation. Um, and by having fewer animals, you're able to focus on the health and well-being of each individual animal more specifically. I agree. Okay. The other thing that happens when you call or you cut successfully keeping your better animals or the animals which have potential in your herd what you should start seeing after about two or three years if you do it for the quality of the animals not just because that one winked at you when it when you looked at it (laughs) okay but if you look keep the ones that are more quality animals after about a few years, that culling or that cutting is going to hurt. Meaning, you're going to be looking and going, that doe has potential to be a champion. A permanent champion. Yep. But, that one over there does too. Exactly. I like the feet and legs on that one over there better than the feet and legs on that one there. So I'm going to sell her. And we've done that this year. Yeah, fact, you guys, we, we you sold guys did a, it a lot. A, what? Yeah. And we had the luck or the blessing or however you want to view it of selling the dough and then finding out like within a week or two of selling her that boom, she finished at a show. Yep. Yep. Um, and that, that kind of feels good. But at the same time, Making that decision to sell those animals sometimes can be difficult. You know, you're splitting hairs. And sometimes you're looking at an animal 
And I'll tell you right now, Mary Mac was one of them. Where you're looking at her and going, I have to c cut numbers. I have too many. If I sell that one to the right person, she's going to do awesome for them. Right. And, you know, I had, I won't kid, I had John in mind with Mary Mack. Well, I would and, hope so. I called dibs since the day she was born. Well, and if I remember, you didn't believe me when I offered her to you. No. No. And I but, and it was it was late in the season after I had already made my own personal cuts and I had to get rid of a couple does that I didn't want to sell, but it was good. It it worked out. She's a lovely doe. But um, sometimes but, you gotta make that decision <coughs> not on I'm selling her to get rid of her and to lose her genetics, but sometimes you're making that decision as I have too many, I can't focus on that one right now, but I know someone who can. Right. And people can refer to episode 30 of Ringside, uh, which was uh, going overboard with Kurt Schnipke. Uh, and we talk about calling till you cry. Yeah. Uh, Kurt has coined that. I should really make a T-shirt for him. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, call till you cry. It's going to hurt. Uh, this year coming up, I'm not looking forward to cuts that I'll be making. I have a yearling first freshener that I have in mind that might be sold and well she'll be a two-year-old second freshener but uh she's a really outstanding looking doe um and it's gonna hurt to sell her but sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do um i will say that you tend to get a bit young when you cut often um as my herd is quite young uh you know last year after yearling milker classes if especially after gem finished uh, I was just hanging out. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to show. See, now, <laughs> I, I'm going to bring up that sometimes, though, when you do start looking at a doe as to whether or not you should cut, call her or cut her, um, sometimes, though, you've got to look at her and go, if I give her one more season. Yeah, I don't the, I try not to get stuck in that. If you're able to. Now, you, you got a different situation. This is where we're a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a bar, a bigger barn than you, not big as some people, but I have a smaller herd than some people. Um, but I've got a little bit larger barn. I can say, let's see what she's going to turn into. We've got a, a coming three-year-old who we kind of were looking at when she was uh, a yearling. We were kind of like, eh, I wonder how long we can, we're going to have to keep her around for. And yeah. she'd one leg shy of being finished. She's got her milk star. Um, and she's a beautiful doe. But, you know, it's, it's, we waited to see how she matured. There's some bloodlines that may take three or four years to mature. Uh, but that's kind of when you're making a call, when you've got to make that decision. Am I taking that doe kid who might be gorgeous right now but i but her dam broke down really quick do i keep the kid who's damn matured at three or four years of age um you know it is something to consider um exactly and uh, especially when you realize that 
the average age for your national champions, um, at least in the overhazlers, uh, the average age for national champions is three to four years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, you might get a two-year-old. Um, and you might get one older, but generally it's three to four years of age when they're at the peak. Um, so I, I agree with that statement. I, I think people, especially some of these, uh, some of the people that, that messaged us, um, you know, I have had to kind of tell them, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a work in progress. It's an art form. Uh, and you need to have patience with your craft. Um, yes, you, you need to make some smart decisions as far as calling and what you're bringing in, but you also need to have patience. Um, you know, if you have a herd full of yearlings, let them mature, um, and see how they do. Uh, so it's, it's important to be patient or, or as the yearlings, um, start picking out which ones you want to see as two year old. Or yeah. even pick out ones you want to see as three-year-olds. So that when it comes time to call and you're like, oh, I'm going to call that. Oh, no, I want to keep her because I want to see what she looks like as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to ask yourself, is it going to be worth it? Yeah. Um, yep. And can you see her as a three-year-old in somebody else's herd? I'm not saying to call everything. Because it is nice to be able to see that animal mature in your own herd. If you're able. Um, Now, all of this, we've talked genetics. We've talked the sires. We've talked foundation does. We've talked calling your herd back, basically keeping your better animals. Um, We've talked management. Some of management, though, is knowing... Um, in in managing your animals, if you're managing, if you're managing for show, you need right. to know what the judges are looking for. If yeah. you don't know what the judges are looking for, and you're taking animals in that you think look nice, but it's not what the judges are looking for, mm. what they're scoring the animals on on the scorecard. You're going to stand at the end of the line, scratching your head. Why didn't the judge put me first? You know, I... You I'm, had not saying the... breed, I'm not saying breed to the judges. I'm saying you just have to have knowledge of it so that when you're in the barn and you're looking at the, those does, you like those does. Can you realistically look at those does and say, I think she's going to do well this year? Well, okay, yeah, I would say... That's where I'm getting at. I think instead of saying what the judges are looking for, I would say breed your animals and look at your animals and cut animals that might not fit the ideal of the scorecard. Um, Because I'll be... This is going to be controversial, but I'll be the first one to say uh, there's the trend, especially in Oberhasli, which are medium breed, to breed big right now it seems like a lot of winners in every breed are just very big does um but i don't want a big Oberhasli. if i wanted a big Oberhasli, i'd have an alpine um i think that 
there's a trend with dairy goats right now where bigger is better and and sure it's that could be right the now. case it's mm. always bet well okay but honestly when i'm breeding and when i'm making cuts i'm making cuts because something's not fitting the style of my eye and what um fits best with the scorecard now right um you know, we can talk about stature all day long and all that well, stuff. Well, stature has been dispersed and right. kind of. Um, that's a scorecard discussion later. Yeah, yeah. But I would just say, don't breed with the judges in mind. Don't say, oh, this judge likes a bigger goat. Oh, this this judge likes a uh, really, really strong doe and dairy strength and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I would say... Breed to your ideal, but also the scorecard's ideal, um, and try to get as close to your goal of a dairy goat as much as possible. Um, but that's what I'll say about that. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm going to say uh, and try to take uh, my take on it mm-hmm. is so not being as articulate, maybe perhaps as John. Oh, um, <laughs> what? I, I look at, and when I say breeding for, breeding for what the judges are looking for, I mean, as far as when I look at the scorecard and I say, and I read the description of of the top line, or I read what they're looking for in the scorecard, I'm re- saying to breed, if you're looking to breed an animal for the show ring, I'm saying keep that in mind. What you're... I mean, if you're going to breed an animal for the show ring, but you're going to, um, you're going to say, "Oh, I like it when they have that nice steep rump." You're you're for here and now at least you're not going to do very well. Okay. Right. So what I'm saying is, read the scorecard, have knowledge of the scorecard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Consider the scorecard. Since the scorecard is supposed to be what the judges are basing their uh, placings on. Yes. Okay. Or the evaluations of the animals and then saying, based upon what I'm seeing today, this animal had maybe more points on the scorecard than the animal behind it. Okay. As far as the general trend of growing big, growthy animals they've been back in the 80s and the 90s there were judges and and even breeders some of them who are still breeding who preferred the bigger animals okay um goodness i remember you one of the biggest goats i've ever seen was a sonando named yule who was national champion Okay. Um, I mean, this was a doe who, you know, they brought her to the New York State Fair. The breeder was from New York, or the owner was from New York. Um, and they put her in the pen, and pens at New York State Fair, you know, generally the goats are in the pens, and you can look across the top of the pens, and you don't see anything sticking up except for maybe the occasional doe jumping up to say hi. Except for Yule that year. You look across the pen, and you could see her entire top line across the top of the pen. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, 
as far as saying the current trend is to breed bigger goats, it's been going for years. So maybe I should say the current trend in Oberhasli? No, I think it's in in general animals as well. Um, As personally, I find that the uh, larger Oberhaslis is one who has larger Oberhaslis. Um, I don't believe mine look like Alpines. Um, but I also find that those, the larger does I have, have less difficulties with kidding because they also tend to have a wider rump. Um, they also generally have, are deeper bodied and a bit wider, which you it's on the scorecard. Um, that's why I'm breeding does who are a bit bigger, a bit wider. Um, I'm also trying to raise them to grow. Oh, to grow well, grow quickly. Um, you know, we feed our kids milk. Uh, they're getting they're on the land bar for twenty four weeks. Um, <laughs> so. They're getting uh, the advantage of that. Um, sure. Well, you know what? Hold on. Hold on. I still get picked on for keeping my animals on the milk that long. So I'm going to pick on you real quick. Are your bucks still on the milk bottle? Oh, no. The, actually, our bucks <laughs> get kicked off at 12 weeks. It was a joke. It's like I always get, oh, John Free Choice grains his goats and shoot his bucks are still on the bottle. So I was, I was just making fun. Yeah, I know. And I know who says that too. Yeah. A lot of I don't know if she'll it. hear it though. No, a lot of people. I get it from all ends. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, shame I, I on them. It. I get it. I've from... got you beat so badly. Listen, <laughs> even, Kurt, even Kurt gives me crap still. Oh, come on, Kurt. Yeah. 24 weeks here. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, I like seeing those kids that are growing very well. They get good size on them. So, you know, as one who grows bigger animals, I I look at it that way. I look at the scorecard. I'm looking at, um, you know, other issues. I, I want a big barrel. I want good width and in, in the front end, but I still want that tightness in the front end. Um, you know, I won't right. kid you. I, I still have smaller bloodlines in my barn. Um, yep, you, know. you do. Yep. So, oh. but that's that. Final point on all this, though. Let's move on. Yeah. So Is, we're talking about genetics and pedigrees and all that stuff. Management. You know, what's the, what's What's the, what's the last point that we should really drive home? Working with those animals. Yeah. You take that kid that I've seen this so many times, early spring shows, people bring not to pick on Nubian breeders. I'm sorry, but it, it's true. You see the people bring these Nubian kids in the show ring and they start screaming. They put the brakes on. And when they put the brakes on, the rump goes down and the shoulders look heavy, and they don't want to walk, and the kid who normally wins the class is the kid who figures out, I'll walk with you, you know? Yeah. Okay. And uh, 
and that's how it goes. Uh, and maybe that kid that figured out to walk, the breeder or the showman, took it at home, took it out behind the barn or out in the front yard and walked it in show ring sort of thing, such that when it got to the show ring, it knew what to do. It wasn't freaked out. Um, you've got to work with the animals. They've yeah. got to trust you. Um, it doesn't hurt. Um, friends of ours like to use a phrase to play goat. You know, mm-hmm. take them, set them up, pinch them down. If you're going to do the pinching, um, pretend you're in a show ring, um, love on them. Cause they've got to trust you. And part of that is giving them the love. Um, you know, the other thing you've got to do with working with them is, you know, things like hoof trimming. That's huge. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I was at a show, um, not to say who the burrito was, but they bought, uh, a litter mate to a doe kid that we had and they were identical. But when we got to the show, that, that, uh, owner hadn't quite done the hooves quite right. So it looked like this doe kid had articulation in the rear pastures. Mm. The end result was one kid was first in class. The other one was dead last. Um, and it's just knowing what you're doing. That no, well, that comes up comes out totally wrong. Because I know the owner listens. <laughs> um, it's not know, just knowing what you're doing. It's it's knowing the animal, knowing and working with them on the hoof trimmings and on the clipping, making sure that you got the right clip job for the weather. Yeah. You know, um, don't give it a, you know, number 10 slick shear when the temperature is going to be below 60. Um, yeah. Same time, you know, yeah. don't bring them in the show ring shack. Well, you could bring them in the show ring shaggy at 90 degrees, but, you know, make sure the animal's okay. comfortable. <sighs> yeah. It's uh, definitely work with your animals, practice showing them in your driveway or wherever. Uh, practice. I get practice. Clip their hooves, trim their hooves and, and try to do it correctly. And, and yeah, use your clippers on that animal and get them used to having a good clip job. And, and some animals, it takes one or two or three uh, times clipped before they will actually stand for you well. Um some, some of them, them won't even will. learn out exactly. Uh, you know, I've got a couple that they're fine until you get to their feet, and then they're pains in the butts. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's good to work with your animals, and and it's good practice for them, but it's also good practice for you. Um, oh, it is. So, yeah, I think I think that's that's important. And with all of this, I I think if you start at where we began with the dams and the sires. You know, the calling and and you know finally getting yourself into the show ring and you know having clipped your animals you've realized that it'd be pretty a, a pretty tight squeeze to do 
all of this to start with whatever and getting yourself, um, you know, to the champion in one season without spending a boatload of money. Mm -hmm. And even if you spend the boatload of money to be back in that champion position next year, it's not, this is, it does. It takes patience. It takes practice. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, it takes knowing what, uh, your animals are going to be judged on. Maybe that's what I should have said back there about the score judging. It's knowing what your animal is going to be judged on. How it's going to be judged. And not individual judges. Just generally. Know the scorecard. Um, it's going to take a while. This is a lifestyle. You know? Yeah. You... you, you, you we find ourselves, I know John does it, I do it, a bunch of us do it. You know, you find yourself in your free time after the kids have gone to bed at night and you're sitting in front of the computer and you're checking out Adgut Genetics or you're looking at uh, Facebook pages of breeders or, you know, you're re-watching National Show or, or you're, you're researching something. In, or you're looking up something, or you're reading something, or, or you're looking for your next buck, and yeah, it's it's ongoing. It never ends. Yeah, and tyranny will be the first one to say that it drives her nuts. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I I think of it like this. So I would like to say that I was a pretty darn good student uh, back in my days in high school and college, but I really have took taken that studying that I used back then and have started using it on the breeds that I currently have in my barn. I'm learning a ton about Guernseys, uh, maybe a little too much about Guernseys, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I, I've also taken a lot of time to research Oberhasli and the different lines of Oberhasli and what in the past has worked well with what and what I have in my herd and, and really have delved back into that history book of the pedigrees that are currently in my uh, registration book. Right. Uh, It's important to really just take the time to learn what you have, learn what needs to be fixed. And you can do that by uh, having your animals appraised or you can have friends look at your animals and say, Hey, you're really lacking in this and consistently in your herd or whatever. Um, and, and taking that knowledge that you're learning about what you have and using that to maybe bring something from the outside in, or maybe call something that has a certain trait that you don't like and, and try to start, not really start anew, but try to progress um, quicker than you would if you just kept everything the same. So, um, it's kind of a long-winded feedback uh, from many people, but uh, those are our tips on how to really gear up your program and get you trending in the right direction. And I'm going to say this. Um, one other thing we kind of said before to the point it was a broken record, and I kind of keep 
thinking about it um, time and time again is because I've think, thought about people who have been mentors to me mm-hmm. is we haven't really mentioned this. Get yourself a mentor, somebody who can look at your dough and say, oh, she really needs a tighter front end. Um, not much brisket on her or is she a bit hockey. Um, yeah. same, someone who can also give you advice. Um, finding yourself a mentor really it's it's pretty good but you've got to be willing to take what that mentor tells you because some of them can be brutally honest and i agree and if you have a mentor or friend that's looking at your animals and you walk away saying man my animals are perfect because they loved every single one of them Maybe find somebody else that's going to give you an honest review. Because I can tell you right now, I love a lot of animals in my herd. But as Nate knows, I can pick them apart in a heartbeat on what I hate. And you need Even to do that with your herd. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be able to do that with your own herd. But if Nate asked me what I liked in certain animals in his herd and what I didn't like, he knows that I'll be hitting the stomach, his, his stomach, taking the air out because I'm not going to hold back punches. Now, with all that, we're not going to tear apart animals unless you ask us to. Right, right, right. But, <laughs> but if you want us, want to, you need a advice on anything covered here tonight or today. Yeah, ask us. We would be happy to help you. We have listeners who've reached out to us and continue to reach out to us. Um asking questions and we we try to answer them as as truthfully if we don't know we try to look it up if we get it wrong and someone point and somehow we find out that we got it wrong we'll try to correct ourselves okay um oh yeah we're we're not we're human (laughs) yeah um so on that note i i guess that's all i have to say john uh, I think I think you wrapped it up. Just just swell there, guy. Uh, ah, sure thing there. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. That's Nate. Y'all have a great night. Good night. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.